Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show. And you know this is our month. This is the month we have been celebrating the 18th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act, our piece of civil rights history. And before I introduce our guest, I just have to thank Marka Brista for that great time in Chicago and tell Tony Quello how honored I was to be in the Disability Pride Parade with him. The author of the ADA is the Grand Marshal. And let me tell you what, our guest today, she is all about civil rights. She is a true champion for all people with disabilities. I think so highly of her and what she is doing right now to lead the charge in our federal government, which we'll be talking about in reference to employment. The United States EEOC Commissioner, Christine Griffin, welcome to our show. Why, thank you, Joyce. It's so great to be on the show. Well, it is an honor to have you on the show. And as, as you heard me mentioning, Commissioner Griffin, with this 18th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act, I just wanted to also mention that we have had so many celebrations and so many great things happening. But one thing that everyone has been talking about is the ADA Amendments Act. And maybe you could just talk about that just for a minute, uh, which, by the way, has complete bipartisan support, why it is so important that we see this signed into law. Well, it's important because it, it will restore the ADA to what it was, to its original uh, intent when it was passed 18 years ago. I think, you know, everyone, uh, at least people with disabilities who's, who have been impacted uh, by, uh, you know, some of the decisions that have been made over the last 18 years realize that the definition of who has a disability and who ultimately is covered by the law has been narrowed over time by different uh, Supreme Court decisions. And this amendment will actually restore a lot of um, sort of that narrowing that has occurred and will ultimately result in more people with disabilities actually being covered by the law, as was intended by Congress at the, at the time that it was passed and, and by uh, uh, President Bush. And you're right, this is, this is a wonderful, wonderful bipartisan, or is a wonderful bipartisan supported effort, and uh, as it was when it was passed originally. So it's it's only fitting that it's that it's um, being considered and and at least passed in the House so far to you know so far to date uh, by a very very bipartisan group of people. I think the vote, Juice uh, Joyce, correct me if I'm wrong, it was four hundred and what? Uh, four hundred and two to like seventeen. Yeah, I mean that's pretty amazing when you get you know. 402 people in the House to agree that there is a need for, for these amendments, and, you know, that indicates that there is serious, serious bipartisan support on this. And that just shows you 
how great this country is when everyone works together, what can happen. Yeah, it really is. And I, and I think, you know, people that have been involved in the, uh, in the crafting of the actual, uh, bill that was passed in the House was also, uh, a bipartisan, uh, you know, group of people with disabilities as well as people from the business world that work together. Um, to come up with something that would be agreeable to all that that they could take to Congress and and convince them that this was necessary and and that the business community supported it, frankly. And you know, if you're listening to the show right now and you want to know more about this, if you go to aapd.com or epilepsyfoundation.org, you can read all about all the facts going on with the ADA Amendments Act. And if you want to know what to do to help, call your senator and say, please support the ADA Amendments Act. And, Commissioner Griffin, now, when would this have to happen for it to happen, you know, while they're there, while they're in session? Well, it would have to happen uh, pretty quickly. Uh, this this. Congress will probably go out on recess, I think, sometime uh, at the beginning of um, August, which is coming up next week, and we'll come back, and then uh, this Congress will, you know, this particular Congress will be uh, finished at the end of uh, the calendar year, and of course we have the election and other things, so uh, for it to be passed this year, it, it will have to happen, you know, and be signed into law probably sometime this fall. I know folks here at the EOC are, you know, anticipating uh, what will occur. This will have a huge impact in the employment area, and EEOC will be responsible for writing uh, regulations that uh, will incorporate uh, new aspects of, of the law. So I know people are, are anticipating what that will mean to us as a government agency, and frankly, I just hope I'm here to uh, to see all of that happen and and to be a part of it. It's it's historic and it's and it's a wonderful wonderful uh, opportunity to you know really include more people in coverage of this law and you know the people like you, Joyce, with epilepsy, people with diabetes, people that have you know were traditionally considered people with disabilities and, and covered by the law, but have been because of uh, the, the medications that they take been deemed to uh, have a disability that doesn't substantially limit a major life activity um, when in fact you know that couldn't be further from the truth so it'll be it'll be a great um, event if if and when it happens and then we look forward to actually seeing how this changes people's lives yes that is the most important mm-hmm. seeing how it changes people's lives well you're working very hard to change people's lives, Commissioner Griffin, with the LEAD initiative. And I wondered if you could first give our listeners throughout the world an overview of what is the LEAD initiative. Well, the, the LEAD initiative is our initiative here at the EOC to address the declining number of employees with targeted or severe disabilities in the federal government. Targeted disabilities, T-A-R-G-E-T-E-D, for those of you that are confused by my Boston accent, targeted disabilities are a subset of people with disabilities that have 
arguably the most severe disabilities. So people with psychiatric disabilities, people with physical disabilities, people with epilepsy, um, folks that have really probably the highest uh, rate of, of unemployment are, uh, have the highest numbers of people who are not working right now in our society. And though that particular group of people, subset of uh, people with disabilities are tracked in the federal government, their numbers, and we, we monitor here at the EEOC how many of those folks are hired and employed by the federal government every year, how many leave, things like that. And as of, uh, unfortunately, um, uh, 2007, we, you know, have the new statistics. They aren't actually out on our website yet, but will be soon. And I'm uh, sad to report that the percentage of employees with targeted disabilities in the federal government has actually gone down from 0.94% to 0.92. And so that means that out of approximately 2.6 million employees nationwide, only about 24,000 are people with severe disabilities, and um, that's a huge oh, problem. terrible. Yeah. Our goal when we started this two years ago was to increase the employment opportunities and, you know, ultimately the number of federal employees uh, with severe disabilities in the federal government. And, and we are working diligently to try and make everyone aware of the problem, to educate hiring officials, as well as people with disabilities about the possibilities and the hiring authorities that are available um, to that make it easy to employ people with disabilities. And uh, I know that we're working with a variety of organizations, including the CAP program, the Computer uh, electronic uh, accommodation program that is a unique, unique uh, situation in the federal government where all of electronically based uh, accommodations are centrally funded and centrally provided. So no agency has to pay for electronic based accommodations out of their own budget. Now, is that provided by the Department of Defense? Well, it is. It's housed within the Department of Defense, and that's where it originated years ago. And Congress, in its wisdom, saw how well this program was working within the Department of Defense that they decided to fund it at a level that would be, allow them to provide accommodations to all federal employees who need it. And so it doesn't matter where you are in the country, if you're an employee with a disability and you need an accommodation, you and your uh, supervisor can contact uh, the CAP program. They do ask that as an agency you have uh, an agreement with them, and it's really just a, a paper um, memo of understanding of how the program works. There's no no cost at all. And once you have that agreement, and I, and I think they have uh, an agreement with the majority of the agencies that exist, uh, they will uh, come out and actually, no matter where you are, and help assess the individual to determine what the accommodation needs are. They will order the accommodations. They will come back and install them and train people on how to use them. And more importantly, they pay for it. The CAP program pays for the accommodation. It is an amazing program and does not exist anywhere else in the private sector and and really takes any excuse an agency has away uh, that may be hesitant to hire, you know, a person with a certain disability because they think the accommodation may be expensive or that they wouldn't know how to provide it. Yeah, and, you know, even when I hear you telling that story, I'm thinking, wow, I can just imagine. 
if I went to the private sector and said, oh, hey, you never have to worry about this because it's all paid for. That is awesome. It is. It's amazing, and it's and it and it's surprising to me uh, how many agencies. When I go and speak about this whole issue about hiring people with disabilities throughout the federal government here in Washington as well as out in the field, there is always somebody in the audience that that has never heard of CAP before and is surprised that it exists. And so, um, you know, I, I feel it's it's my obligation to, whenever I talk about hiring people with disabilities in the federal government, to also include some discussion about the CAP program. And uh, and I'm happy and who, who to do is, so. Who is the uh, spokesperson for that program? The spokesperson is uh, the, the director, Dinah Cohen. She is amazing. She does an amazing... Uh, gives an, uh, an amazing, excellent presentation of the CAP program and can demonstrate some of the very sophisticated, uh, cutting-edge accommodations that are, that are available and that they are familiar with and that they work with all the time. She can show on a, a video how they do very um, cutting-edge uh Technology-based accommodations, which really uh, they they work a lot with returning uh, disabled vets from from the Iraqi war, and they um, you know really are at the forefront of providing accommodations, and 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 so that that learning curve extends to all federal employees. Wow. Well, listen, we'll talk more about this when we come back from break. If you just joined us, you're in for a treat because we have United States EEOC Commissioner Christine Griffin heading up the LEAD initiative, leading the way for freedom through employment. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, on voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Have you ever thought about having your own Internet talk show? Well, if you said yes, then click About Us. Then click Be a Host to get more information. Or just call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Say that again. 480-294-6417. VoiceAmerica.com. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice. What if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. VoiceAmerica.com 
If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back, welcome back to the show. If you just tuned in, we're talking to United States EEOC Commissioner Christine Griffin as we celebrate the 18th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act this month. Special greetings to Yoshiko Dart. Yoshiko, you are just awesome. Yeah, can I say hi to Yoshiko? Hi, Yoshiko. You may say hi, too. She is the real deal, right, Commissioner? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I I was sorry. I heard yesterday from someone that they had actually um, spent the, the anniversary of the ADA on Saturday with, Yoshiko and some other folks at the Independent Living Center, and, and I wish I had known. I, I think uh, I would have loved to have uh, been there with them. Uh, she certainly uh, was instrumental in, in making sure not only that law was passed with her husband, but making sure that people knew what it meant and, and knew about civil rights for people with disabilities in this country and knew that that you know voting how important voting in the election is to make sure that that uh, civil rights are protected yeah and you know her of course husband who passed away a few years ago Justin Dart is like the grandfather general whatever you want to call him of the Americans with Disabilities Act and I always tell Yoshiko I know his spirit is still with us Helping us in your, in his words, lead on. No lead on, what. yeah, and that lead had a lot no to do with what. when we were trying to come up with a name for our uh, initiative here about employment. Um, you know, that certainly was played into our decision to name it the Lead Initiative. Is that right? Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Leadership yeah, that's... for employment of Americans with disabilities, and you know, the first thing we thought of was Justin out there saying, "Lead on." And he's going to say, vote as if your life depended on it, because it does. And and I think that's still an important message for people with disabilities in this country. Yes, I don't care if you vote Republican or Democrat. No, it doesn't matter. We care that you vote. Yeah. We care you get out there and vote. Don't forget that. Um, You know, when you were talking about this horrible rate, this is so terrible, the rate of employment in the federal government... But I do want to mention that there is one agency, I think you know who I'm going to talk about here, Mm -hmm. that is leading the way and is hiring people with targeted disabilities. See, that's what makes it even more important Mm -hmm. that, you know, anyone, no offense intended, because I myself have carpal tunnel syndrome, but that does not compete with uh, epilepsy and a 60% hearing loss. So, you know, there's a difference between targeted disability, significant disability, and I sprained my back or whatever. Well, I that, think where we, that, yeah, where we see the difference the more, is, right. Where we when see you the, agree, it's yes. harder to get employment. Right. And that's higher. where we see the difference. When we look at the numbers of people who, you know, people with, people with disabilities overall who are not working versus people with, you know, significant, severe, targeted disabilities, whatever word you want to use, that employment rate is significantly higher. 
And so there was an effort, I think, uh, you know, a decision made many years ago after the passage of the Rehab Act here in the federal government that it was really those folks that were faced with the biggest barrier to employment and so that we would, you know, pay special attention to make sure that those folks actually uh, get into the workforce. Well, I want to tell you, Commissioner, that I think you've heard the news about the National Security Agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's an agency that made a point of saying we want to hire right. Americans with significant disabilities. What do you think about that, Commissioner? I think it's I think it's amazing because, you know, there are agencies that probably, you know, right now have a higher rate of of participation of employees with severe disabilities, but NSA has has is is out there making a, a very very concerted effort and a and a and a targeted effort to hire people with severe disabilities and because of the type of agency they are a lot of agencies that that do the type of work um, that NSA does uh, sort of think that they're exempt from hiring people with disabilities or they think they seem to have even uh, a, a a, a, a larger idea in their minds that people with disabilities can't do the specialized work that they do. And someone over at NSA understands that it doesn't matter what the package, what what the body of the person uh, who who comes to their agency looks like. They really care about the mind. They're looking for a certain type of person with a certain type of training with, you know, who's very smart. And that's that's what they're interested in. And it doesn't matter if you have epilepsy, it doesn't matter if you're a quadriplegic, it doesn't matter if you have a severe disability of any kind. If you meet their requirements for um you know, are qualified to do the work that that they're looking for, they want to hire you, and they understand that that the this is an untapped labor pool of very smart people who want to work, and again, they don't care about the package that the person comes in. They care about the person's ability to do the job, and that's significant and, and very significant, I think, for the type of agency that they are and for the type of work that they do. Yeah, and I will tell you, that is why former United States Attorney General Dick Thornburg, who, as you well know, was at one time our governor, when he spoke at the Tony Quello lecture series at the New York Law School a few years ago, he said there is a company in Pennsylvania that I'm partial to. That would be Bender Consulting Services because, again, Dick and Jenny, very well known in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And he said, and you know what? They're working with the NSA. Now, if they're working with the NSA, my question is, what is your excuse? And you know what they meant, Commissioner Griffin? NSA has the highest, highest standards of excellence. They have the highest standards of security. They have such high standards of security, even though I work with them, I'm always careful what I talk about because I know how that is with them. But let me tell you what. They're making it happen. To me, that's like the the uh, housekeeping seal of approval. You know, they're making it happen. And Commissioner Griffin, as I recall, you were 
you are a veteran. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. I uh, actually served in the United States Army in the mid-1970s. And here's what I love. Americans with significant disabilities protecting our country. Mm -hmm. Yep. At the NSA. It doesn't get better than that. No, it doesn't. It's great. It's great. So if they can do it, all you other federal agencies out there, if they can do it, I know you can do it also. So, Commissioner Griffin, what are your next steps going to be to try to get this moving forward? Well, uh, we're working on a couple of fronts. Um, but i, I, I got to tell you, it's a little disappointing to see that the numbers went down once again. Uh, the, I, I think the biggest challenge for us is to try and get leadership on this issue. Where we see successes like at NSA, it's because somebody in a leadership position has, you know, realized that this is uh, a wonderful untapped labor pool and they know through experience that people with disabilities can do the job. And we need to get more leadership on this issue. It really does take somebody in a leadership position to say, you know, I want to see this done. I know this is the right thing to do. And as we struggle with retirements uh, that are looming ahead with the baby boomers, we should be looking at different non-traditional uh, places to hire people and to get them into the federal government. And certainly people with disabilities is one of those uh, sort of undiscovered uh, labor pools that, that people need to tap into, and especially the federal government. So we're trying to get leaders to become aware of this and to do that. At the same time, we're trying to make sure that People in leadership positions as well as people in human resource departments, people in, you know, that do any type of hiring at all, people who are disability program managers, selective placement coordinators, you know, those are the folks that are responsible for their disability programs within their agencies, that everyone is aware and, and trained and, and, you know, well-versed in the Schedule A hiring authority that actually allows people with disabilities to be hired, you know, fairly easily into the federal government because it bypasses traditional competitive lengthy hiring processes and gives the agency an opportunity to directly hire a person with a disability who's qualified to fill any vacant position that they have. So that's, that's what we're trying to do. And does everyone know about this Schedule A hiring authority? No. Again, like CAP, it's really interesting that um, that that people still don't know. They don't know enough about it, and they don't know how to use it. And it's really quite simple. And we have written brochures about this that people can have access to. They can contact my office here. They can uh, contact GN, the Job Accommodation Network, and they also have them on their website. Uh, and we're working with Jan to, to get the message out to people about Schedule A and, and about, uh, you know, the opportunities that, that exist in the federal government. And Schedule A is, is just a simple hiring authority that was uh, created, again, uh, after the passage of the Rehab Act as a way to get people with disabilities quite easily into the, uh, into the federal government. And... All you have to do is have an open, funded position and decide that you're going to diversify your workforce with 
more people with disabilities, then you can actually go out and specifically recruit somebody with a with a severe disability who has the qualifications you need. And uh, a very skilled disability program manager will actually probably have a resume bank of Schedule A eligible applicants uh, that they've already recruited. And every every federal agency has their a specific type of job where they, you know, have turnover and it's sort of their, um, you know, core uh, type of position. You know, for us here at the EOC, it's lawyers, investigators. For somebody in the Bureau of Census, it's a statistician. So the disability program manager at, at the Bureau of Census is always recruiting and recruiting people with disabilities who also have the uh, statistics degrees that are necessary for those positions. And, you know, that skilled um, disability program manager can actually help uh, their agency become a diverse agency and get access to qualified candidates with disabilities. All right, and I before we go to break, I just want to mention... So that would be eeoc.gov if you want to learn more about the Schedule A Hiring Authority. But right now we're going to break. We'll be back with Commissioner Christine Griffin as soon as our break is over. Don't go away. Call your friends. We're coming back. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition and 1 in 10 Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, (laughs) she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Mm Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, (laughs) no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. (laughs) Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at PornLearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Welcome back, welcome back. We're on with Commissioner Christine Griffin. 
And what I want to talk about for a minute, because I don't know if people listening to the show totally understand how this goes down, but you have to be recommended um, and nominated and appointed by the president for right. this role. Is that correct? Yes, that's Okay, that's exactly. so, so how, you were recommended by whom? Well, we're a we're a bipartisan commission, which means that uh, the administration, whatever party is uh, in the leadership position in the White House, they actually have three uh, commissioners um, who would be of their party, and then the other two of of the other party. So, in in this respect, I am a Democratic commissioner um, serving, you know, although uh, you know appointed and. Uh, uh, by the president, and what happens is, um, in my particular case, the opening uh, here at the EOC for a commissioner, um, it actually had been open for for a little while after Commissioner Miller had had left uh, Gwyn to um, to go teach at law school, and um, Senator Kennedy actually recommended me to Senator Reed, who at the time. Uh, and, and who still is responsible for getting uh, Democratic nominations over to the White House. And so while the White House had to appoint a Democrat um, to the position here, uh, they then go through a process by which they, you know, look at your background and decide whether you're the Democrat that they want. Uh, but I think they give a lot of deference to the to Senator Reid and to Senator Kennedy on who they're actually recommending. And so in my case, um, Senator Kennedy was kind enough to recommend me uh, to Senator Reid, who I met with, and, and after meeting with him, he um, said that he was happy to nominate me. And so that nomination went to the White House, and then ultimately the president and his folks agreed, and they nominated me. And then you go through a confirmation process in the Senate. So you're nominated by the president and confirmed by the Senate, but it really begins back at, at the Senate to begin with, um, with the nomination of, of my name to the White House. Wow. So it was very, it was very exciting, and, and, mm. uh, and I, was, I couldn't have been more honored to have the support of Senator Kennedy and, and Senator Reid uh, in my quest to, to come over here and, and further the employment rights of people with disabilities. Yeah, and then do they have a ceremony when you're appointed? Um, they, they actually, uh, the, n not so much when you're appointed. When you finally come here to work, you're actually sworn in. And so, you know, you can make as much of a, uh, a celebration out of it as you want. For me, I was sworn in by the previous chair here, Carrie Dominguez. The chair is usually the person that swears you in, although you can actually, um, I think, ask other folks to do it. Uh, if you want, you know. Um, but the chair, Carrie Dominguez, swore me in, and I had family members here, and we celebrated, and, and then I got to work. <laughs> then you got the job going. Yeah. Yeah, well, that is something. I mean, it is amazing how much is involved in that process, but you know what? That is really a great honor. It is. And especially uh, Senator Kennedy, we always are wishing him our best wishes for his health. Yep, exactly. Um, and I hear he's doing great, and uh, I'm really, I think, along with a lot of people, looking forward to him coming back uh, to work. I think he's probably doing a ton of work while he's at home. Um, uh, 
but I think, uh, you know, he'll be back here uh, soon, uh, back at the Senate. He's already, already, as we all know, made an appearance to, to vote on a very important issue and uh, saw it was necessary to, to leave his medical treatment, get down here, cast his vote, and, and then get back up to Massachusetts. But I think he'll be back uh, pretty soon. Yeah. You know? I think yes, for people with too. disabilities, you know, I, I read once in a in a book that someone wrote about him that it's I um, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was something like, you know, the majority of people in this country have been somehow their lives have been touched by legislation that he's, you know, sponsored and worked on. And I think if you look at people with disabilities as a subset of that group, I think it's fair to say that every person in this country with a disability has had their life impacted by legislation that he's introduced and worked on. So I I think we owe him a great deal. I think we do, too. And I think everyone in the disability community knows that, and that is why we just want you, Senator Kennedy, to get back to work and be in good health but we do appreciate everything you have done over the years for Americans with disabilities. Yeah, we appreciate it, but there's still lots to be done, as we know. So that's right. So we need to him back, back in town here in D.C. Uh, um, you know, helping us, helping us forge ahead. That's right. I, I wanted to ask you one question earlier when you were talking about that lead initiative. Uh huh. I know I've heard you speak about this before, but. Maybe you can talk for a minute about why you think that's so important, employment. Okay. Why you think employment is so important. Because, as you well know, even not just the federal government, in, you know, overall we have this 60 to 65% unemployment rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what do you, what, why do you, what, why, why do you think this is so important, this lead initiative, when it relates to employment? Well, it, it's as we know, it's a huge problem in this country, and you know, most of society finds it very easy to ignore the fact that there are a huge number of people with disabilities in this country that are not working. They're actually living on benefits, collecting benefits uh, instead of a paycheck. And uh, you and I have talked about this a lot. It, it, for me, it's it, that's important. I know you. You always say, you know, paychecks not pity, and and you're not free in this country until you are employed. And that's absolutely true. You cannot achieve the American dream unless you are actually working and making money. You can't. Someone once said, you can't make a living living on benefits. And if you're collecting Social Security benefits, it's a, you know, I don't know. Depending on the state you're in, it might be a whopping. $670 a month, and you just can't live on that, and you can't achieve anything when you're collecting benefits. And so it's, it's, it is about, you know, collecting a paycheck, but it's, it's not just about net worth. It's, it's, although it's important, it's also about your self-worth. A lot of, you know, what, what we place value on in this country is, you know, is, is centered around what you do for a living and what you're focusing on in your life. Um, and, and the majority of your time is spent in the workplace. And as a woman with a disability for the past 27 years, almost 28, I've come to know that the workplace is where people without disabilities truly get to know those of us with disabilities as people. 
And it's where we really have an opportunity to dissipate all the fears, myths, and stereotypes that exist in society today about people with disabilities. And I think once we have really have a critical mass of people with disabilities in the workplace, it will only be then that we actually are achieving some sort of success in the area of eliminating society's attitudinal barriers about people with disabilities. And the federal government is the first step in making that happen. It, it, for me, it is key that the federal government becomes the model employer and demonstrates to everybody else not only that it can be done, but that there are, there are actually specific ways to attract, to recruit, hire, advance, and, and retain people with disabilities in the workplace. And, and they should not only be leading the way in this area, but they should be demonstrating to everybody else that people with disabilities are really capable employees who add value to your organization. So I, for me, it's critical that it's, it's all of those things, and more importantly, big picture, it's where we're going to change society's views overall. I agree with you because, you know, federal government, the role model that companies look to, but, you know, I've heard you talk about this before. It's not enough to see people out at, a, at movies or at dinner or at whatever, and say, oh, that's so nice. Look at them. They're out doing these right, things. Right, right, right. They'll think like that until you're working side by side. Exactly, exactly. It's not enough to see people with disabilities out and about, although it's great. Access is good, and I'm not, I don't want to say that isn't important. I certainly love a good restaurant and a movie. Um, but, it, but you're right. It doesn't change. It doesn't do anything to really eliminate you know, some of the, the attitudinal barriers that exist in society today. It really is in the workplace. We really, really get to know another person, and you get to realize, hey, you know, if I'm working beside Chris Griffin, she's, she really wants the same things that I want. She, you know, her, you know, she is more similar to me than dissimilar. And you really have to meet another person with a disability sometimes in order to get that point. Yeah, that's right. And you're not going to think that way until you know someone. Right. You know, and as Commissioner Griffin mentioned, believe me, I don't know how you can possibly think someone can live on 600 and some dollars a month when that barely can pay for gas today, I let know. alone their uh, apartment and just normally. Think about it. Yeah. Put yourself in that situation. Yeah. A thing at- we all need to learn to do is what Justin Dart talked about so much is putting yourself in someone else's place. Yeah. And that is why he was a person of the people. He understood. And, you know, I believe that your LEAD initiative is going to be critical to changing employment in the country, in the whole country, Commissioner Griffin. Oh, I hope. That is what I believe. That's why we're so proud to have you with us, because you are a civil rights leader. And we'll be right back. We're going to go to break. Before we come back, to close the show with our champion, United States EEOC Commissioner Christine Griffin. Don't go away. We'll be right back. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters on voiceamerica.com. 
We'll be with you in a minute. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. In the great scheme of things, a minute isn't all that much, unless you happen to have a stroke. All of a sudden, those minutes count. Minutes that could mean losing your ability to talk, move, or walk. Which is why, if you can get help in time, your stroke can be treated. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face. If you experience this, call 911 immediately. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE today. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. VoiceAmerica.com if you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. If you just joined us, we have had a great time today because we've been talking to United States Equal Employment Opportunity Commissioner Christine Griffin. And it has been such an honor to have her with us. I wanted to ask you, uh, Commissioner Griffin, if you have a young person listening to the show today who wants to become a leader in the disability area, what advice do you have for that person? Well, I, I think, uh, first of all, they should really try and immerse themselves in in the history. Read, there's been a couple of good books written. There have been, you know, certainly articles written about the history of the disability rights movement. And I think it's really important that people um, have some sort of a grounding in that and that they understand, you know, where this began. Frankly, it wasn't that long ago um, that a group of people after the passage of the Rehab Act you know, really began demonstrating, uh, and I mean demonstrating, and had a sit-in out in California in uh, Health and Human Services. I think it was Health Education Welfare at the time it was called, the federal agency, and demanded that regulations be written that really articulated what was meant by you cannot discriminate against people with disabilities in the federal government. And that that was, you know, not, not the beginning of the independent living movement, but I think the beginning of uh, a different part of the, of the um, disability rights movement uh, in this country. And, and those people are still around today that we can talk to and learn from and are still active leaders. But but if you are if you're a young person, just expanding your understanding of the disability community where you live is also important. You know, get to know about other people with other disabilities besides your own. 
that's very important. Um, we have quite a bit of diversity within our own community. And, and trying to understand what other people go through, what their barriers are, give you a good appreciation for, you know, what you need to be working on and advocating. And I think if you're a young person, you know, becoming positive about your own disability and beginning to advocate for fairness for yourself and for others at school or at work is really important. And learning, you know, how to have a good style when you do that. Um, getting involved, volunteering for everything that interests you in disability and non-related disability activities is also important because I think before you can lead, you have to learn how to be a team member. And looking at leaders in various settings, discovering what makes them successful, and when you find, you know, someone in a leadership position that you respect, you know, ask that person to help you. Ask them to mentor you. Um, I actually have an intern working for me this summer who uh, you are their mentor. Uh, Bridget Green, who, who also is a woman with epilepsy, a young woman who's in graduate school. And, you know, she had an amazing experience here this summer and got to see a lot of different people in leadership roles, and, and it can only further her. As a matter of fact, she's getting a master's degree in special education, and uh, just, you know, hearing her uh, relay different instances and, and experience she's had here and, and debating, you know, what she thought was right and what she thought was wrong with a variety of governmental issues here I told her that she probably is missing her calling by not being a lawyer. Um, I know her mother's a lawyer, and, and uh, Bridget's quite adept at advocating for herself and others, and I think will be a leader someday. So, you know, your mentoring has certainly had a huge impact on her, and, and you know, for young people with disabilities, finding that mentor is really important. Oh, Bridget is so awesome. Yeah, she is. I always great. tell her, I look at, hear Bridget speak, and I'll say to her, future senator. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she needs to go get that law degree. That's yeah. what's her future yeah. senator. She is an awesome individual. Yeah. Yes, she yeah. is. And you know so what, though? I think her. if she's, you know, if she actually teaches for a little bit before she goes off to law school, she'll even have a greater appreciation and depth of, you know, different kids with different disabilities and, and what they're going to need for them to be future leaders and to be accepted, uh, you know, into into society. So. Yes, I agree with you. And, you know, that was a great example, Commissioner Griffin, because here's a young person that wanted to be a leader, wants to be an advocate, came to me, talked to me, then met Commissioner Griffin and worked on an internship at the United States EEOC office in Washington, D.C. But, see, she was willing to do whatever it takes uh-huh. to do this. That's how you have to be. Yeah. Uh, American Association of People with Disabilities has summer internships, and one of those interns was in Senator McCain's office, yeah. one was in Senator Barack Obama's office, one was in Senator Clinton's office, but you have to be willing to reach out, get involved, do something. Right, right. You have to be proactive. You can't wait for someone to hand you these opportunities. You have to find them and you have to go after them. And you have to convince someone that, you know, it's going to be, you know, beneficial to them to actually have you work for them and have them on their staff. And most of these are unpaid internships, unfortunately. Um, I wish we could. Yeah, unpaid, you know, but how much is that worth? 
Well, yeah, this is what yeah. I tell people. How yeah. much is that worth? Yeah. In your life, how much is that worth? Yeah. No it's price tag. Yeah. yeah. It's unfortunate that I think a lot of kids with disabilities, and it doesn't matter whether you're in high school, college, or even graduate school, have limited opportunity to have internships. And within the federal government, there is the Workforce Recruitment Program, WRP, and that's another avenue to actually get in for get an internship within the federal government. Um, but again, you know, these are a lot of times these are opportunities that um, there aren't a lot of, and mm. so you need to be aggressive and and reach out and and you know you certainly have have provided lots of you know opportunities for a variety of people with disabilities to get their foot in the door and and to get some experience that they can put on their resume well we all have to work together and we all have to stop waiting that's what i right. tell people get right. out there and do something right. commissioner griffin you have already accomplished so many things in your life um you know that i don't even know i ask every person on the show this but at this current time of your life what are you the proudest of? Well, you know, it's, it'd probably be easy to say, you know, I'm the proudest of, you know, starting this initiative and, and really trying to promote uh, employment opportunities um, throughout the, the federal government for people with disabilities. But I'm usually the proudest of these, you know, opportunities to impact an individual's, you know, life. Uh, we had an intern here recently who was uh, deaf and was graduating from law school and really, really wanted to work for the federal government in the area of uh, EEO federal sector complaints. Uh, she had some experience, and it was great. And, and while I was trying to advocate for her for a position here within our Office of Federal Operations, I was also advocating for a position for her over at the Department of Labor. And just recently learned uh, within the last couple of weeks that she got that job over at Labor. And I couldn't be, you know, more prouder than that, that, you know, here's a, a, a concrete example of somebody with, you know, a, a severe disability, um, getting a great job within the Department of Labor right out of law school. It doesn't happen all that often. And that, you know, people were really able to see, you know, how what a great, capable, qualified individual she was without any regard to the fact that she, you know, can't hear you. Um, so... There is no price tag you can put on that either. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. I, I do. I know what you mean. Well... Commissioner Griffin, if you had to leave a message today for all of our listeners, what, what, what would that message be? Well, the message would be, um, you know, for people that have disabilities that are listening, you know, get out there. If you aren't active in your community, become active. Do something that's interesting to you. It doesn't even have to be disability rights. But you being out and about in your community and interacting with other people, uh, that that's what changes people's minds and, and, and educates people about people with disabilities. And everything you can do, anything you can do, will actually hopefully result in uh, more people with disabilities being included in, in this country and more things. Well, thank you, and Commissioner Griffin, thank, well, thank you for you. joining us. Thank you, and I have to leave the show with a quote from one of my favorite 
leaders of all time, Martin Luther King Jr., who said, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And isn't that what it's all about when it comes to including people with disabilities in employment? Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week on voiceamerica.com. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.